0: Love Talk Radio.
1: at sea this is your berean uh, bible chapel sunday services and uh, for the this sunday the 7th of march in the year of our lord anno domini 2021 i am your co-host i am your co-pilot second in command of the guy who sweeps up when deacon when services are over deacon dave horner and now please allow me To introduce our chaplain, our sky pilot, our pastor And before I introduce him, I'd like to remind you that nobody's perfect Chaplain Bill Herman, everyone
2: Good evening, everyone And welcome to the Berean Bible Chapel Blog Talk radio broadcast This is the second to the last Berean Bible Chapel Blog Talk we're going to have we're changing up the uh, online church services chapel services, and we're going to be going to uh, live Facebook videos and probably a youtube channel and uh blog talk radio has just gotten too expensive and uh, it's just uh there's some technical difficulties here there and everywhere. And my main concern is that there's no uh, technical support to alleviate these problems during the broadcast, and we've kind of put up with it for a long time. But then, when they raised the rates exponentially, then it was uh, out of out of reach, so to speak. And uh, we're going to trust that the Lord is in this, and uh, we are so grateful. For all the time we have had to share the word and all sure. the opportunities that have come and gone in, uh, in these last nine years when we've been on the air. And yep. uh, we're just, uh, we're, we do praise the Lord for all of these things. Amen. And I just, am uh, very cognizant of the Lord's hand here, people have uh, had their faith strengthened. There is we have edified people, ministered in grace, and uh, have there been trials and tribulations? Yes. Have there been testings and uh, even temptations along the way? Yes. But, you know, we are we are here to serve the Lord, to lift up the testimony of Jesus and the testimony of the Word of God, and we have uh, done our best, our level best, to... Uh, bring this broadcast faithfully, and uh, we are trusting God with the outcome. We will never know the true uh, impact or outcome of this broadcast, even though I can go in and I can look at statistics and, and the numbers and all of that. A- anywhere from 87 to 220 people listen to this every Sunday and wow. or throughout the week. And since the broadcast began over nine years ago, we are looking at 39,200 or so people have listened. And that's uh, that's a remarkable accomplishment that is completely God's. God. God gets the glory. God gets all the glory. And we are so, uh, I'm so thankful as pastor of Brian Bible Chapel, that we have had this opportunity and wow. uh that God has used this broadcast on many an occasion. I think our most popular uh broadcast numbers wise if if we look at numbers and I'm kinda hesitant to do so a lot but uh one broadcast we did was a eulogy uh for uh Sister in Christ and it was in excess of uh, 500 people listening at the same time and that was live during one of the live broadcasts so our blog uh, efforts have truly had God's hand on them and we give him all the glory all the glory and many people joined this broadcast became part of this broadcast through the uh, presence of a sister in Christ named Mary Ann Lansky-Bunjevic who today is in heaven and she fought, they gave her six months to live with cancer and she lived five years and yeah. uh, we, are, we, we know that is of God and it, you know you just don't go through what she went through and right up to the very end when all she had left was her voice uh, she couldn't walk, she couldn't move her arms, she was literally in a wheelchair and uh all she had left was her voice and she would she would ask her husband, uh, push me in front of my desk, turn on the computer, it's blog talk time. And uh she ministered God's grace and was a a godly woman and uh We'll all see her in heaven again, Bereans. She will be there waiting at the gate for us, and we know when we get there. Some of us may get there ahead of others, but when we do, there, there will be a day coming when we will have a sweet reunion, folks, and we'll all be together. And we'll be there in front of God's throne. And we'll be standing there in front of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I long for that day. I truly long for that day when we are there together, lifting up the testimony of Jesus and the testimony of God's word together in his presence. Okay, I think that's enough waxing, a or whatever you want to call it. Uh hmm. I, I certainly I certainly, want to segue right into prayer. We have so many prayer requests. Uh, brothers and sisters, uh, Carol Hamm Smith going to the doctor Tuesday morning. She's discovered something, and she's going to get the doctor to look at it, figure out what it is. We're hoping it's not serious but like i told her in our conversation i told her that we are we are going to be there in prayer with her standing in prayer with her and she's in oh, jesus yeah. hands and she's in the father's hands then i think of uh susan martinelli smith and uh she's in apache apache junction arizona she lives in a small little two room shack and she's in her she's in her late 70s, and she's going through some serious trials. Her daughter went to Mexico to have her teeth done, cheap cheaper than most dentists in a, in the United States. And while she was in Mexico, she contracted an infection, and so now a lot of things are up in the air, and we're praying for her, for Suzanne and her daughter Rebecca praying the infection is going to go and that she'll be able to get the work done and then get back to Suzanne because uh, uh, Suzanne has uh, run out of her blood pressure medicine and she's doing everything she can think of to stay calm and yet uh, she's needing our prayers and so please pray for Suzanne and her daughter Rebecca then Gina Mondello, I thank God, Dave, yesterday uh, had the opportunity to call Gina, talk to Gina, pray with Gina, listen to Gina. And uh, there's some things we're trying to get set up in advance, but it's got to be in God's time. And uh, yep. I want, please keep Gina Mondello lifted in prayer, folks. Please keep her lifted in prayer. Then I'm thinking of Gina, uh, Jamie Lynn Crawford Webb and our sisters in Christ, uh, Lisa Klinecki and others uh, who are fighting cancer. Margaret, uh, Margaret Gilly, we're praying for her uh, fighting cancer. There's so many prayer requests, so many people standing in need of prayer and we're praying for them. Uh, There's just so much going on, uh, so many spoken and unspoken prayer requests, and uh, none of them are forgotten. Uh, In the near future, we hope to establish a prayer meeting on uh, midweek, sometime either Wednesday or Thursday in Berean, where we will have live video dedicated to prayer. And we want, I want. I'm looking seriously at that as a change in Berean, where we have midweek prayer as well. And even if something happens and we lose Facebook on my timeline, uh, if if Berean somehow loses its ability to do videos, I have. We're looking at. I'm looking at contingencies, and we're still gonna uh, make whatever effort is necessary. And uh to make sure the ministry is not hindered in any, in any way, shape, manner or form. I'm looking at a uh, not just live videos for online chapel services, but Bible studies. We uh, the folks want Bible studies and we're going to move heaven and earth through uh, uh, faith in our Lord Jesus Christ to accomplish that and provide Bible studies for the brethren, uh, and we're going to be doing that. And so that's another matter for prayer. When I ask people to pray for Brian, these are the things I'm asking you to pray for. And so uh, I appreciate your faithfulness in prayer. So with that said, let's segue right into prayer. Father God in heaven, we thank you for this time where we can come before you. We think of all the many prayer requests We've already mentioned some in quite detail, Lord, but you're in the details, too. You're in the details, Lord. You're the author and finisher of our faith. You're the uh, the one who makes all things new. And we're asking you, Lord, to make the Berean Bible Chapel uh, Fellowship all new. Make it new and stronger and, and, and more uh, pleasing in your sight, Lord. We ask for your help in this ministry, how we have online chapel services. We want your Holy Spirit, Lord, to be the one leading, guiding, and directing us in all manner and in every yes, everything said and done. Father God, mm-hmm. we pray for those who are standing in the need of prayer with the prayer request. Our sister in Christ, Carol Ham Smith, going to the doctor with what she's discovered. Mm-hmm. A brother in Christ who's Who's going through hospice right now We're praying for him And his wife who And, and the family Our sister in Christ And uh, Scotland uh, Sandra Endless We pray for her Lord We're praying for uh Alanda Deeks And the Netherlands There in the European wow. Union We're praying for her We're praying for uh Jamie Lynn Crawford Webb, Lord. Her daughter, Sierra. The situation there involving uh, Sierra's uh, husband. The prayer needs that are there, Lord. The children, keep them safe, we pray. Father God, we're praying for uh, the, uh, uh, our sister in Christ, Cheryl. Lynn, Cheryl Pixley Johnson, Lord. We're praying for her, her illness, her sickness. The struggles that she has breathing, and, and the, uh, the uh, weakness and the fatigue that is so evident. And I pray, Lord, that you would show mercy and give her strength, Lord, and help her, Lord. And be with her, Lord. We pray for her. We're praying for all the prayer requests, Lord. Gina Mondello, you know the needs there, Lord. You know the situation and circumstances. She's going through this alone, this whole situation, this whole Fiery trial She's virtually alone Lord And we're praying you would send someone to help her Help Lord provide For her Lord Uh, Someone who can help her There in the home Who can help her with the dialysis Who can help her as she looks Toward the possibility Of a kidney transplant Lord Father God There's so many prayer requests We're praying for Mylan Bungevac In Cleveland Ohio, Lord. His wife, Sophie there, uh, Myland, who is having some serious physical illness and and, and and terrible pain, suffering and affliction. And we're praying you would work in that, Lord, completely for once and for all, Lord. Uh, we're praying that you would be there and and, and show the doctors what needs to be done, the, the right medicines to give, all of these things, Lord we lay at your feet all these prayer requests. You know the needs of Brian Bible Chapel, Lord. You know the needs of this fellowship. Tonight's message, we we commit to you, Brother Brian's going to come on in a little bit, and he's going to be bringing the word of God. And so we're praying for Brother Brian as he's preparing to bring your word tonight to us. And, Father God, I just thank you. I, I, I thank you for the way you minister and, and are ministering to us, the way your Holy Spirit is working and leading, guiding, and directing us. You've brought us through a fiery trial, Lord. I pray you would uh, mend and heal our hearts, all of our hearts, not just mine, but all of our hearts. And we commit these all these prayer requests to you, Lord Jesus. In the mighty name of our Savior and Lord. Amen. 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 Amen.
0: O Sovereign God Matchless key, the saints adore, the angels sing and fall before.
2: Amen. And we do. We praise the Father and we praise the Son, God's Holy Spirit. We are... uh, I'd like to welcome everybody uh, to the broadcast, but I would like all of you, wherever you are, uh, to, uh, I guess you'd say, symbolically or figuratively or even personally, to Dave's going to do it on your behalf. He's going to welcome Brian Mills to the broadcast. Go ahead, Dave.
1: Thank you, Bill. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, and uh, sir?
3: I'm here, sir. Oh,
1: I thought you said something. Uh, never mind. Uh, please, ladies and gentlemen, uh, allow me to welcome tonight's special guest, uh, another one of our deacons, and a really cool guy. Uh, He's a man who says he's never read Fortune, but he has eaten a lot of their cookies. So, uh, let's everybody please welcome
3: Deacon Brian Mills.
0: Huh.
3: Good evening. You want something Amen. else, Dave? I'll tell you. Thank you for the laughter. <laughs> it is so well needed today, I'll tell you. Thank you, buddy. How's Amen. everyone doing? Amen. Well, Brian,
2: I was getting ready for just a few moments. Dave said he had something to bring, and I'm just going to let him have the mic for a few minutes. And then when he's finished, uh, whatever he's going to say, then I'm going to play another hymn, and then we'll come back and maybe chat a minute. Go ahead, Dave. Wonderful. The studio's yours.
1: Hey, Bill. Um, Thank you very much. And and Brian, uh, good to have you here. And to all you uh, good and gentle and wonderful people out there listening to the show, I, uh, please, I'd like to say thank you for joining us, and it's great to have you. And uh, if this is your first time, I do hope that you'll find this show habit-forming. Uh, there are some, uh, some things that, that people struggle with throughout their lives, and nobody, to nobody, nobody has uh, the exact same things, or if, if they do, they're only close. But things that I'm talking about that we struggle with, things like emotional states of being and um, what have you. And one of the ones that always, oh, if I, mm, this is a giant dragon, and I whack at it as much as I can, but it doesn't seem to want to die. But um, it's uh, something God's uh, given me, so I'm sure it's a blessing in disguise. But I have what is probably the world's worst guilty conscience. If I do even the slightest thing wrong, I am going to whomever I uh I I uh, messed it up with or for and I and I humbly ask uh, forgiveness and I immediately apologize and um things like that uh and, and it's always kind of bugged me but lately I've been figuring out why this happens you know um uh why does it happen so I'm going to give you a for a, a for instance an example um, the other day it was announced uh, I think here in Berean That uh, Brian Mills is going to be joining us On tonight's broadcast And the first thing I do was Fire off a message to Bill I was trying to be funny But I'm not sure I came across that way But you know the message was like Hey man what's the big idea having Brian Mills on And not telling me What is this And Bill uh, messaged me back He said Dave I have told you twice And I just my head dropped immediately into my hands and that feeling of, Oh my gosh, what have I done now? Hit me like a ton of bricks. Like it always does. And first of all, Bill, I want to humbly apologize to you for for forgetting like that. That was, that, that was not the kind of deacon I want to be. You see, when, when Bill tells me something about Berean, I write it down because this service and, and this, and all of you are, are precious and, and, you know, Bill's my best friend, and I never want to let down my best friend. But this time, I didn't write it down. I I was, you know, guilty as charged, arrogant and stupid, and said, oh, I'll remember that. So when I didn't remember that, it hit doubly hard, because that's exactly what I said when he said it. I'll remember that. But it turned out that I didn't. And it was uh, affecting me in, in, in different ways, uh um, it, it, tonight, for instance, I was trying to write a devotional to share with you guys, you know. But I just I couldn't. I found one and I I wrote it up and I said, well, that's good and that's not great, but it's not great. So later on, later on through the week, at different times, I'd uh, go try going at it from different angles and rewriting it, and I just couldn't couldn't get it. And um and so I took it to the Lord in prayer and I said, Lord, what's going on here? How come? you know, these devotionals aren't worth a, a, a plug nickel. And then he just laid it on my heart that I needed to deal with uh, my guilt first and how I was feeling about, you know, forgetting uh, what Bill said and how it it was making me sad, and it was kind of getting in the way of uh, me being able to find a good devotional. So, Bill, again, I apologize, and I love you. And I shall do my darndest, sir, from now on to to uh, remember Everything you tell me about berean, and in fact, I'm going to have a notepad with me 24 seven and I will write it down so the, that's me. I'm done with my yakin. Uh, thank you everybody for listening and um, if you feel the same way, you know shoot me a message and you know maybe we can talk about where these horrific these uh not horrific, where these overwhelming guilt feelings come from. Uh, back to you and bill back to you and Brian bill. thanks, buddy.
2: I appreciated i appreciated that uh those those thoughts Dave and everything and I wanted you to know uh i it kind of segues into why i i felt led of the Lord to do that video today folks you can find it in Berean. and you can find it on my timeline but it mm our hearts can be broken by a lot of different things and our hearts can be uh, uh, impacted and our hearts I'm talking about our hearts like Dave was talking about beloved you know we, we've we got to make sure that when we are operating with each other we are genuine and we are authentic and we are uh, don't have anything uh that hasn't been addressed, that hasn't been looked at, and there are things each of us, all of us do. I mean, I'm just as human as Dave, and I'm just as uh, susceptible as as Dave was talking about. I'm just, I can be the exact same way. I can say something, not realize how it could be be construed or viewed or anything, and it will hinder My service and it will hinder my walk with Christ. I I think what one of the emphasis since the Lord has turned my attention as a pastor into ministering to the people in Berean to be in that shepherd who leaves the ninety nine and goes after the one. I'm I'm kind of that becoming more and more that person in my personal walk with Christ. I wow. uh, talked to the, uh, the, the, one of the sisters is going to the doctor. And to be honest mm-hmm. with you, she's nervous and anxious. And, uh, you know, ministering to people, that is what the ministry is about. Yes, we play the hymns and and we have our little banter back and forth and all of those things. But what are we... What are we doing in our life How are we working with folks I learned these things I learned these things You know how I learned them I learned them through God's word I learned them through God's Holy Spirit And I learned them through godly men Like, like Dave and like Brian Men who, who look past The fault of people And see their need And uh I I'm I I'm serious when I say this, Brian. We re please watch my video. From from I I'm, I'm talking from Ephesians four in the video. God has really got a hold of my heart about these things. That 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 the uh it's so easy. It's so easy to just get caught up in the spirit of this age, to get caught up in the atmosphere we're, we're, we're breathing in and the environment we're living in. And the point that Paul makes in Ephesians is not to. We are not of this world. We may be in it. We may act like we're in it, but we are not of this world. And I don't care if it's a people group. I don't care if it's individuals. I don't care if somebody's disappointed you and broken your heart. Our obligation as believers is to love them Yep. unconditionally, without exception. Because Jesus says something. Everybody answers to Christ. They don't answer to us. How can I say that? They don't answer to us. They answer to Christ. All, Jesus says, all manner of sin will be forgiven men and women. Mm-hmm. All manner of sin except for the, the sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Yep. And we are here to love with Unconditional acceptance of the individual. Yes,
4: sir.
2: I mean if if I wasn't accepted in the beloved, if I wasn't I mean, how can I stand and preach to people? Yeah. How can I how can I serve in ministry if I can't be genuine and authentic in myself? We're going to be hurt in this world. We're going to have our hearts broken, beloved. We're going to have our hearts broken in this world. Let it be broken for Jesus. Let it be broken for his glory. Amen. Yes, sir. I don't know how else I can say it. Except to say God's gotten a hold of this pastor's heart. Somebody said in my video today, I don't know who it was. I don't even remember I'm sorry I don't remember. I would I would I would give her a shout out right now, but she said, you know, God brought you through this and He you're coming back stronger it looks like. Yeah. Oh God God be praised if that's the perception because that's my prayer. And and uh the testing we've been through together, Burians, it's put my attention right where it belongs, on Christ and on you. We're here. I said it in the video. I'll say it right now. And then I'm gonna let Brian talk in a minute. I'm gonna ask Dave to pray for him because it's almost time for Brian to preach, and I want every I want every minute. I need every minute of what that brother's, he's going to bring today. Mm -hmm. Because he knows, and and Dave knows, and and there's a few of you in Berean that know that this pastor's heart has been hurting. Mm. And Jesus is mending the broken heart, Yeah. But we in these last days and end times as the time winds away and I mean it, it's the time is going away. We don't have any time to squander, no time to waste, no time to pretensions, no time arguing. We're gonna be stand all we're gonna be standing before the Lord before you know it. Okay. I, I, might, I might go by death I don't know I might go by some other way I don't know But I know there's more years behind me Than there is in front of me Same here We've got to be here We've got to realize That what we have is God's word What we have is God's Holy Spirit God's Son And what we have is each other. And that's all we have. And that's all we've ever had. And they ain't no guarantees. We don't take our toys to heaven with us.
4: Nope, we sure don't.
2: We leave it all behind. It's it's all left behind.
1: Or
4: by toys.
2: The only thing you take to heaven is your loved ones. The only thing God gives you the ability to take to heaven with you is your loved ones. Yep. And the whole purpose of Jesus Christ is to communicate to our hearts that all of us are our loved ones. I'm sorry for the shout. I'm sorry for the passion here for... If it sounds too loud for some of you Don't be sorry, it's okay We get to heaven, the Lord's going to look at us And he's going to say, did you love? Did you love? Everybody in this world, oh boy Talk about love and they act like you but the first accusation They lay at our feet Is that oh boy mm-hmm. Look at that he's talking about love again mm-hmm. Because in this world It's so easy to play judge Jury and executioner right. That's yes, sir. When Jesus Christ Wants us to Love one another As I have loved you by that Everybody will know you're my disciples You want to prove you love Jesus Christ You want to prove you follow Jesus Christ You know the evidence That's going to convict you In a court of law Is the love you have for the brethren And your refusal to betray them If the persecution comes story I heard about persecution from an actual person who was persecuted. He had scars on his back. Somebody asked him, said, oh, everything you've ever said, everything you've ever said, the accusation laid, in, laid at him, in a Christian meeting, no less, was all, it's all just hyper, hyperbole rhetoric. And, and I remember sitting in the audience as a young Christian, and he sit, he's standing there in front of the whole church when the accusation was laid. And he calmly undid his tie and took his tie off. And he calmly unbuttoned his shirt and took his shirt off. And he calmly pulled his T-shirt above his head, and then he turned and faced the audience. And you saw the scars from the top of his neck
4: to his hips. Wow.
2: You know how he got those scars? He refused to tell the communists where the Christians were meeting. He refused to betray the godly. What a great man. What a great man. Let me tell you something. There wasn't a dry eye in that church. And the very one who laid the accusation out there, he was on his knees in tears, begging forgiveness for what he had said. Wow. Don't think that we're beyond the ability to be persecuted, beloved. Just understand something. When the persecution comes, the the only weapon we have against it is is love.
1: Yeah, that's true.
2: Dave, pray for the message.
1: Uh, I shall shall be delighted. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you once again for another wonderful Sunday, and for for us to be able to meet as we are. And uh, we ask your blessings on this uh, church, Lord, um, just a thousandfold of, uh, of of blessings, a multitude, if you will, sir. And I we uh, thank you so much um, for all the people who listen. God, please bless them richly. And Lord, we thank you. Also, the deacon uh, Brian Mills is able to, able to join you tonight, able to join us tonight, and uh, had a, has a, a message for us. And uh, we very much look forward to it. And we ask that you please bless him and let your Spirit be upon him while he shares this message with us, and uh, keep him from getting tongue-tied like I just did. It's in your wonderful name we pray, dear Lord. We love you so much.
2: Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Brian Mills, Brian Mills is a brother in Christ who I met online. He serves the Lord with his wife Helena, Helena. And they have an incredible testimony together, not just how they met, but as a married couple. Brian has, Brian has preached the gospels in jail cells. Brian has uh, lived for the Lord. He has really been a courageous brother and an inspiration in Christ to me. Uh, uh-huh. Pray for his daddy. I pray for his daddy every every day, and I uh, I know how hard it is uh, for Brian and the situation, circumstances about his father. His he, he he loves his dad dearly and he wants the best for him and Christ for him and all oh, the whole nine yards. And uh, Brian serves the Lord and he is a, a, a godly brother in Christ. I mean, Amen. if anything happened to me, I would definitely say, please, everybody, except Brian in the ministry here. Because, you know, he preaches the same word I preach with the the same devotion and love. And I so, so deeply appreciate all his prayers in his life for Christ. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, I'm going to turn the mic over to you, Brian. The studio mic is yours, so to speak. Brian knows that's an inside joke. (laughs) But... uh, (laughs) I just I just praise the Lord for Brian And uh, I've been so looking forward to this message I can't tell you, Brian, how much And uh, God's blessing be upon you May the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ be glorified tonight It's Amen. yours, brother It's yours Take it from here
3: Amen Thank you so much, Pastor And I, I thank you and, and Dave And I, I would be lying to you if I was telling you I'm not weeping, as I do every time I've had an opportunity to minister, because from where I once was to where I am today is nothing short of a miracle. It's nothing short of a miracle. And what your pastor is talking about here, about offenses, and it never ceases to amaze me that every time I have prepared a message, it is always confirmed, always. The Lord always confirms his message. There are times that, and I'll ask him, confirm this, Father, Confir-, and he always does. And as Dave began to speak, he confirmed it. And as pastor began to speak, he confirmed it. What ha- has happened recently in Berean, we'll, it, it, there are a lot of things that happen in this life. And unfortunately, we see a lot of what goes on in the world. We see it in the church, and it shouldn't be so. It grieves the heart of God. It grieves my heart hearing the the impact this has had on Pastor Bill, as well as me and others who know exactly what has happened. But we, and this isn't even what I'm, what I'm here to preach about, but I'm to tell you that we need to start getting and cleaning up our side of the street and being prepared because if an offense of a whisper or muttering or gossip or, or hearing this one said that or that one distracts you and takes you off your path, what will you do if persecution comes here? like it has come in other countries. I have never been, I have never felt more shallow in my life than when I heard the story of a seven-year-old boy in the Middle East and his father, he was a young convert. He had spoken to his father about the Lord. He He converted his father and Muslims came into the area and they burned down all the houses and they, these, they got, came upon this house, And they told the father that if he did not convert, they were going to set his son on fire. I want you to hear me here. So this father had a choice. This is his son, his only son. And his son, this came from the word of a priest who heard this from a distance. He was hiding. They were all in hiding. And he heard the son say to the father, Daddy, this is only going to last but a minute. Do not let go of your faith. And they proceeded to set him on fire. And the Father, they never gave up their faith. How could we face something such as that if gossip is taking us off our game, if, if a, a word is being taken us off our game? There are, we always look at, for some reason in America, that, all oh, persecution will never come. Persecution is if they, they want to prevent us from preaching a message about purity. That's not persecution. There may come a time you may have to surrender your life. And and if we look at the disciples and how the Holy Spirit impacted them when they were beaten and told not to speak in the name of the Lord, what was their first prayer? They said, Lord, give us more boldness. They didn't ask for cover or to hide. They asked for more boldness because they continued to preach in that name. They knew they had encountered the living God. Let me tell you this. The only way we are going to make it and be able to to love as we need to love is we are going to have to die to the flesh. The things that have brought offense over the years can no longer bring offense. I'll tell you what my father-in-law told me years back when I was so worried about my daughter and family situations. And he said, "Let let me ask you a question. Are they walking with the Lord? He was speaking of my daughter at the time. And I said, no. He said, well, she's doing exactly what she should be doing. She's in darkness. You're the one that's in the light. Now, do you want to drag yourself into that situation or just love her? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Love conquers so much. My own family, my sister and I were strange for so many years, and my sister and I today have a brother and sister relationship because of what the Lord has done. I long to spend time with her as she does with me. My mother and her, my family is being restored because of love, because we can oversee transgressions. We can look past these things. This isn't even my message, but please hear me. What what Dave has said and what Pastor has said, we must get past offense. If someone speaks something against you, if it's not true, why does it bother you? If somebody says you're this and you're that, if you're not this or that, why should it bother you? And if it is true, then look within yourself, not them. Bring yourself to a point where it can't be said of you, but... If we're being bothered by things people are saying, we're going to have a very hard time if persecution comes. And I'm not saying that to scare anyone, but let me tell you, from everyone I've seen in Scripture, it is a privilege. From the 10 million Christians who have been killed for their faith over the last 20 years, the most in history of the world, they found it a privilege Hmm. to suffer for him as he suffered for us. We are, sometimes we look at this life as if this life is everything. We spend more time planning our vacation than we do on our eternal life. I'll never forget a pastor. When Pastor Chan, long before he started to to preach different things, I never remember one day watching him, and he he had a, a screen behind him of the ocean, and he held up a shot glass, and he said, behind me is our eternity, and this shot glass filled with water is our life here, and yet we focus everything on this shot. This one ounce of water, when we have all of this behind us, hmm. why do we focus so much on that? I, I forgive so quickly now because I have so much I've been forgiven of. But let me just, just just for the, the point of, of understanding, you know, there are things in this life that God actually hates. We like to say God is a God of love, but I'll tell you, if you look at when God has poured out his judgment, there is not a lot of love and mercy there. God is also a God who hates some things, and Proverbs 6, 16 to 19 tells us these things that we should be staying away from in this life. This Again, this is not even my message, but these are the things in this life we should stay away from. And some of these will sound familiar considering recent events here in Berean. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19 says, these six things does the Lord hate. Hate, yes, seven are an abomination to him. So the seventh and last one is even worse than hate. It's an abomination to him. And what are these things? A proud look, someone who has pride, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devised wickedness, feet that are swift and running to mischief. And the last two, a false witness that speaks lies, and he or she that sows discord among the brethren. Not among the world, among the brethren. Let it never be held against you. Let you never stand before the Lord, and he can bring judgment against you for spreading discord among the brethren. He says, not only do I hate these six things, but this last one is far beyond hate. It's an abomination. Let us be quick to love. I wrote a message recently, and Pastor Bill was the first one to reach out and encourage me. And I, I, I was on my heart so heavily about the gay and the trans community and what has happened in the church. For some reason, we develop levels of sin, right? As men, as women, we develop levels of sin. How many times have you heard someone say to you, well, I'm a good person. I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't robbed a bank. As if those are the only sins in the world. But Revelation tells us in the same sentence, liars and adulterers and murderers are in the same sentence. They're outside the gate. So we get to this point where... We have these levels of sin, and and what have we done to the gay and to the trans community? These are people that more than likely some offense happened in their life. They were more than likely, studies have now shown that they were molested at a very early age, and that turned the direction of their life. But yet when they come into the church, let's say two men come into the church, and they have dyed hair and earrings, and they're very flamboyant, we don't greet them. We don't sit next to them. We don't, but if a man came in filled with tattoos and said he just got out of prison doing life, but he found the Lord in prison, we would embrace him. We would hug him. We would say, Glory to God. But for some reason, we're casting out this entire segment of society. Mind you, the trans community has a 40% suicide rate. 40%. Do you know only once in human history has there been a people group with a 40% suicide rate? Do you know who that was? It was Jews under Nazi Germany. They were tormented so badly in prisoner of war camps that they were killing themselves at a rate of 40%. The only group that compares with that is the trans community. Mm. So these are people that need love more than anyone. I would rather have a pearl in my crown embracing and loving them and showing them and then allowing the Lord to minister to them. We, we use these terms like love the sinner but hate the sin. But are we loving the sinner? We, hate, we certainly hate the sin, but I don't see a lot of love towards the sinner, at least in that segment of society. We are coming to a point where light and darkness, there is going to be such a clear distinction between the two that if we don't get this right soon, we're in trouble. I, I, the last time I preached, I shared a story that I was deep in prayer years back, and I never. I was so upset over what was happening in the world. And the Lord, I'm a a prepared man. I always carry things on me. I have a flashlight and I have a knife and I always have these things on me. And it was around noontime and I was so concerned and upset about all I was seeing. Like we're glorifying sin in the world now. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, go outside and turn on your flashlight. And there's sometimes the Lord will ask you to do something or this conversation you'll have. And it seems out there. And that's when you really know it's him. So I, I turned on my flashlight. It was the middle of the day. And he said, can you see that light shining? And you can barely see a flashlight at noontime. But he said, go back out after dark and light that flashlight. And when I did, the entire yard lit up. And I understood in that moment that light always dispels of darkness. But the way the body of Christ has been for so long, there's one foot in the world, one foot in the church, and you can't tell the difference. But we're coming to a place, the Lord spoke to my heart, trust me, if this is bothering you, it's going to get a lot worse. But fear not, because we're coming to a place where light and darkness will have nothing to do with each other. People will know you by your love. If Jesus, I don't know why we overcomplicate things. He was so clear. It's such a simple gospel. Love, love, love people. Visit the widows. Do right for the orphans. Give what you have. It's not a tough thing, and we complicate it. I'm telling you that we're coming to a time where what we're seeing today will seem like child's play. But if we are walking in love and everybody knows us by our love, we will glorify him. We will honor him. Love truly covers a multitude of sins. It takes us from a place of offense to a place of sorrow. And how? What does the word of God tell us that godly repentance comes from sorrow? We must be broken in our hearts first. When there's an offense, I pray your first thought is, "What have I done?" Not what has someone else done, because when we are, when we have that mindset and the Spirit of God can live and move and have His being in us, that's what we think about. What have we done? What can we do to make this right? Be quick to solve problems. Because I have seen, I've heard of stories of 40 years of people not talking to each other, and one day one of them called and said, I'm sorry, and the other one started crying, and their whole life changed. But for 40 years, somebody couldn't do it. But yet two words changed it for them. I'm sorry. It's not difficult to do, especially if someone in your life is on their deathbed. Do the right thing. Make it right. Because you never know. That may lead them to Christ. Pastor Bill shared about my father. It's very difficult for me. I didn't have the relationship with my dad that I wanted. There were a lot of things that were abnormal that I considered normal. And and today my father is suffering, and I don't want him to go to hell. I want him in eternity. And, And it's a tough nut to crack, but I know that there's a certain limit that I have, and then the Lord takes over. So I'm going to continue to pray, and I'm going to trust because his word is true. I would surrender my life to anything tomorrow and stand on his word. Because in the world will pass away, but his word remains forever. And when two or more of us gather and pray in agreement, it will come to pass. And that's what we have to hold on to. So I just want to share that with everything that's going on and all of the offense that we can continue to see. It just, it just needs to come to an end. Make peace with people quickly. And love people. It's not difficult. Just love someone. Could be a complete stranger. Ask somebody if they need prayer. Ask somebody if they need something. Chances are you can do something for them. And that that makes the heart of God proud. You're his son, you're his daughter, and you're doing his work. Jesus never did anything if he didn't love. <clears throat> Enough about that. Just a couple of things I want to thank God for. And there's many, many prayers that we should be grateful for, but, I, but some things that are, were just brought to my heart even while I was preparing the message, just I want to thank God for Angie Sutherland's daughter, Kristen, for and making a way for her she's been dealing with anxiety and and other things and we just we thank god for that and sierra lynn nicole owens for her husband's business and i think god is doing something and drawing her husband uh for jamie lynn crawford webb what more can we possibly say good report after good report and we will continue to hear good reports this woman is a godly woman who has never relinquished her faith it should bring you to tears this woman's faith i'm so grateful For Sophie Bunyavac and her husband, Milan, and these headaches that he's been having, let us continue to pray because they are debilitating. I have known of people that suffer with migraines and worse. And, Sophie, you want to talk about the power of a praying family member, a spouse, a parent, a child. People around you praying is an incredibly important thing. Uh, For Bob Anthony concerning her brother Dick and bringing the family together during this time, I'm grateful for that. And for Gina... Gina Mondello, for those who who don't know, this woman has she has nobody and she really needs someone to help her with her meds and she's in Florida and things of that and nobody is available. We've Pastor Bill has reached out to churches. They haven't been able to, to do anything. But if we continue to pray, the Lord will make a way. And and lastly, for our pastor, because this man has been suffering. His heart is broken. And the things that you don't see behind the scenes, I don't even need to see them myself. There are times He drops so strongly on my heart, I know he's suffering. But I'll tell you this, what was spoken to him that he's coming back stronger is the truth. Because sometimes you can never appreciate the mountaintop unless you've been in the valley. It's not possible. If you're on the mountaintop all the time, you don't know any different. But he's a man who questions himself and did I do something? And that's the heart of God. And let's continue to lift his arms up. Because when we lift his arms up in prayer, he's, you know, he's past the point of battle. That's, the, that's for the Joshuas now to take over, but his job is to pray over us and to be the, the shepherd that he's been called to be and continue to keep him in prayer because even sometimes you may see him and he looks fine. I know enough of him now, and I know him enough to know he's hurting and struggling, so please continue to keep him in prayer. <clears throat> and many others that I haven't mentioned, doesn't make it any less important. Just know that we are praying over you, and your prayer requests are always being prayed over it's not just an exercise on Facebook I want you to know that what I want to talk to you about tonight you know back some years ago when a man of God approached me and I was called into ministry he said the Lord's not only called you to to be a preacher but to be a preacher of righteousness and I found that interesting because if anybody had been anything other than righteous in this life it was me the people that I had hurt that I had that I had taken things from, that that I had turned my back on when they were there for me, and and the things that I had done, I found that impossible, but yet I, I see God's call upon my life, and that's really what I want to speak to you about tonight. You know, the message I have tonight is entitled this, The Lord Will Find You, But He May Convict You. We see many episodes in Scripture where the Lord sought out people, right? We see uh, Mary, for instance. Mary was sleeping, and the angel sought her out and told her of the destiny that she was about to have. The disciples were sought out, right? Peter and the sons of thunder on the Sea of Galilee, they, the Lord sought them out, and he called them into ministry. Uh, Matthew was sought out. He was a tax collector. He was, in the, he was in his sin when he was called. He was literally pocketing money as a tax collector, and Jesus found him there in his sin. Uh, Saul of Tarsus, right? Saul who became Paul. He's on the road to Damascus, and the Lord found him. But the one I want to speak to, to you today is about the man at the pool of Bethesda. And if you have your Bibles, I think it's important to not just hear the word of God, but to look at it. Faith comes by hearing, but when you hear it and you, you look at it, it's, it really puts it into your spirit. So I'm just going to read it to you. It's, this is John chapter 5 verses 1 through 15, and this is, when I first came to know the Lord, I was 38 years old, so the first time I read this, I was 38 at the time, the day I read it, and I knew the Lord was speaking to me, so this is John chapter 5, 1 through 15, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For see, in those days, an angel would go down at a certain time into the pool and stir up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Hmm. So picture this. We have, we have people waiting by this pool, never knowing exactly what time, this angel is going to come, but he came all the time. And when he would stir up the water, the first person to get in would be healed. Didn't matter what their affliction was. Right. Now a certain man was there who had sickness for 38 years. I was Mm. sick for 38 years because I didn't have the Lord. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. Some versions say, Pick up your mat and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his mat and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews, Hmm. therefore, said to him who was cured, they said to the man who was cured, Just for one moment, they said to the man who was cured. Bear with him a moment. They said to him, "It is the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to be carrying your mat." Now, mind you, they had seen him for many, many years sick, and their first response was not, "What happened? You're well." It was, "You're not supposed to be carrying your mat. That's religion for you." So he answered them, he said, he who made me well said to me, take up my bed and walk. And they said to him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you've been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing will come upon you. The man mm. departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. <clears throat> I want you to kind of picture what happened here. This, these are people waiting to be healed. And every time this angel comes and stirs up the water, they just there must have been a mad dash to get into this water to be healed. Because it was whoever first stepped in. Not everyone, first. Mm -hmm. But I find it very interesting here. I I think we can assume anybody within a five-mile walk, let's say, was by that pool on a daily basis. They slept overnight. They didn't leave because they needed a miracle. And yet here comes Jesus one day, and I always Mm -hmm. imagined it like this. He literally had to step over other people who needed a miracle, mind you. They all were in need of a miracle. Some of them were much more sick than this man was. They might have had leprosy. They might have been blind, a number of different things. But Jesus stepped over around past and through to get to this man. He says something very interesting to him. He says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? And the man doesn't answer yes or no. The man makes an excuse. He said, well, I want to get there, but every time I, I try to get in, somebody cuts me off. I looked up what the Hebrew meaning of Bethesda is, because every word in Scripture has a meaning, and God speaks to us. This is his Holy Spirit that that wrote this. Anyone who tells you men wrote the Bible don't have understanding. This is written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and Bethesda means place of mercy. This man, however, is kind of comfortable with his sin now. Now, why do we say sin? Well, he's a sick man, right? Why are we talking about sin? Because something very interesting happened. Jesus called forth all of these other people I spoke to you about early. He called Mary. He called forth Peter and the sons of thunder and and Matthew, who was in his sin, but he called them into ministry. And Saul of Tarsus, he even found David. King David was one of nine, right? And he was out in the field. He was the shortest. He was the youngest. And yet he called them into ministry. But we never heard Jesus or any prophet of the Lord say what Jesus said to this man. He says when he sees him later, he does a follow-up, like we like to say in the business world. He did a follow-up. And he sees the man in the temple, and here's what he says to him. Not, hey, great to see you up and walking. How are the legs feeling? You know, are you doing good? He says, stop sinning or something worse is going to happen to you. If that doesn't stop you dead in your tracks, I don't know what would. Because his sin evidently brought him to this place. Now, his sickness, his infirmity was his infirmity but your infirmity may be anxiety it may be depression it may be chronic sickness it may be issues in your family whatever it may be but this man grew comfortable in his sin because he was laying on his mat his bed now you can look at a number of ways and say well he needed something to lay on sure but this is what the lord spoke to my heart so it's the truth He grew comfortable in his sin. I don't know if you've ever had this issue where maybe you wake up one day and you have this pain in your hip and you're you're more than happy to share it with someone. I got this pain just bothering me, and you kind of curse it, right? But have you ever noticed sometimes after three or four or five days, people no longer curse that pain? They start claiming it. Well, it's just the pain I have in my hip, and they start accepting it. That's not what the Lord wants for us. This man was comfortable in his sin, and Jesus says to him, stop sinning or something worse is going to happen to you. Now, when Jesus healed and tells other people your faith has made you whole, they just went on their way. But he gives this man a stern warning here, and this is where the confirmation from these two two men that spoke before me comes, because this is a warning for the church. This is for us we're not perfect. We're far from perfect. We're not, under, we're not under this blanket of grace that we can just sin because Apostle Paul said "Or shall we continue in sin? Heaven forbid. But this man, Jesus really speaks to him and tells him that something worse is going to happen. We as a church, we need to come to a place where we are dead to the flesh. If we love to say we're crucified with Christ, But if we're crucified with Christ, why do so many things bother us? Why does it matter what somebody said who doesn't pay our bills, who isn't helping us get to heaven, who really doesn't even have a big place in our life? You could have a 100 people tell you that you're the best they've ever seen, but if one says, "Eh, I don't know, be careful, watch out for that one, that is what tends to bother us. That's the flesh. That's pride. I think we would be well-served. In the weeks and days ahead, when we wake in the morning asking the Lord, help me die to my flesh more and more. I tell you why, not because it's important for us to get to a place where we're without wrinkle or blemish, but because our lives will be so much less filled with drama, so much less filled with the things that steal and rent space in our head that we should have a no vacancy sign for. But yet these things, we allow them to just take from us they take from our lives from our family and it needs to stop the man's answer when he asks him do you want to be made whole he doesn't just say yes i want to be healed he, he starts to make excuses he starts to say well you know here's what happened now i i always ask myself after all these years i would think you'd be right next to the pool if you're having trouble getting in I'd be hanging on the edge. And the second that water serves, I'm just whatever I need to do to get in that water. But this man is making excuses. And a lot of times, you know, listen, you shouldn't be watching these types of movies or you shouldn't be speaking like that or you shouldn't be, you know, talking to this sister or this brother this way when you're married. And we kind of, well, you know, we shouldn't be making excuses because the world does that. We are not of this world any longer. We live here. We live in the world, but Jesus made it clear we're not of this world. So I could guarantee you, every one of you, if we had a sit-down and just had a conversation, I shared with you the things that trouble me in my life and vice versa, 90% of them would be solved if we were dead to the flesh. Our flesh is what gives us so much trouble. You can't. I, I've always said a dead man can't be offended. Walk by any cemetery and call them every name in the book. You're not going to get a response. Yet we who are supposed to be dead to the flesh and crucified with Christ, see, he's giving us the answer. When he said, I came to give you life and life abundant, you can have an abundant life when you're just focused on him. It's like a racehorse. There are some horses that get spooked by other horses. They put blinders on them. If you've ever heard the term, I just got blinders on, that's why, because that horse, when they see another horse to to their right or to their left, they get spooked. But you put these blinders on, and they just run, and they focus on the finish line, and that's all they do. At the end of this life, do you think any of us are going to be in eternity, and we're going to worry about what this one said or what that one said? I promise you, you'll have no time to think of that. You'll only be in regret for the time you wasted not serving him. And you know how you serve him? You love somebody. You pick up the phone and you call somebody. You, you suffer with somebody else. See, have you ever noticed that your suffering does not become suffering any longer, or at least on the same level, if somebody else is there with you? This is why birds of a feather flock together, they say. When there's, when there's something going on, if you're alone on an island, you have nobody to talk to. But if somebody else was there, you're now surviving together. You're not dying alone. And if we share our burdens with one another and we allow God to minister to us and kill the flesh, he's giving us the answer. Some of the things that happened in Berean over the last few weeks, these should not be so it shouldn't be this way. And there shouldn't not be spreading of discord and, and whispers and things of that nature. Cause see if you're dead and somebody wants to bring something to you, you can't even hear it anyway. I know in my life, that in the church, any church I've been involved in, there's always people that want to tell a story. And I've always made it known. The second someone will say, "Hey, did you hear about John?" I'll say, "Well, let's bring John over here if you want to talk, because I don't, you know, I don't listen to this or that. I don't want to get involved anyway. But if you're mentioning him, let's bring him over." I've even done that in my own family. If there's a, to this point, if there's an issue this day, and we we used to, we grew up in a family where unfortunately there were. There were teams and siding and this side and that side, and you know what? That all stops when you bring the other person in. Let's call them up. Let's have a conversation about it. So you know what happens? Those very people who love to gossip or share, they no longer will call you for that because you're a dead end for them. And if everybody does that, eventually they have two choices. They can leave the church because they have nobody to share with, or they can fall in line and realize, hey, that's ungodly stuff. And it has no place in the body of Christ So I really believe it's something that we need to think about Because if there's any prayer that we should be asking on a daily basis It is let me be more like you Let me die more to the flesh If you listed right right now the top five things that are a concern in your life or your family I promise you flesh has something to do with all five All of them and I'm not, oh, that's yeah. not to minimize if you have a sickness or something of that, of course. That's not what I'm speaking of. But, you know, family issues, or this one hasn't spoken of that one, or, you know, a boss relationship. You'd be amazed how if you have a boss that, that just goes out of their way to make you miserable, buy him something. Spend some actual money on it, right? This is, Remember, God is – everyone used to say, well, Jesus is upside down. It's us who is upside down. When he said love the sinner and, and pray for your enemies, he's the one that has it right. Have a boss or a supervisor that makes your life miserable, and you spend, spend a gift, spend $75, 100 bucks, something valuable, and give it to them and say, I just want to let you know I really appreciate all you've done. I know you work hard every single day. What do you think they're going to do the next time they want to make your life miserable? Solve it by a show of love. You're not buying them. You're just showing love. Love, for some reason, it dulls the edges. It dulls that sharpening, and it changes people. I'm 48 years old. Like, like Pastor said, he said he's got less time left than he had. And I, I had an older gentleman at the post office tell me a few weeks ago, we, we were talking about everything that had happened and election season and how much strife there was. And he said to me, he turned around, I think he said he was 82 or 83, and I found it funny. He said, son, you're at second base. I'm rounding third, heading for home.
4: And I realized
3: yeah. what he was saying, and he was trying to share something with me. And what he was sharing with me was, don't waste your time on it. Worry about you and your family And the things that are important to you Because the less we get involved In other things, the more important Our life becomes for serving God And doing the things we're supposed to do So I really that's what I really Wanted to share with you about that Because there are things in our lives That have to do with the flesh That if we can just kill the flesh A little bit more every day I promise you, I promise you with God is my witness That your life will get better The things that hurt you every heart has it has a nucleus it has a place where it all began something reminds you of something else if you had a, a bad childhood and later on a man or a woman speaks to you in the way maybe your parents did that but you're always it's always bringing you back to that point point. and that doesn't mean you don't have a right to be hurt but you have two choices do you want to continue to be hurt and lose years off your life or do you want to let it go because you know what Just like if you have luggage and 100 pounds on your back, as soon as you take it off, you feel the difference. And when you let go and you let God, like we all like to use our Christianese language, right? If we actually follow that, God will help us because we don't have to worry so much about things that really don't mean much to us. Yes, sir. Share your burdens with one another. That's what we're supposed to do iron sharpened iron jesus said yeah, it, share your burdens if you've fallen into sin call a brother you know we shouldn't worry that if we call a brother or a sister that they're going to go share about that there was a story years back of two deacons this is a true story <clears throat> they were driving home from church and they saw the pastor smoking in his car and he always preached on righteousness and keeping your body clean and holiness And one of them started to pray for the pastor, and the other one started to call people to let them know what a hypocrite this pastor was. Now, who do you think was more pleasing to God? So when you share your burdens with a brother, with a sister, and you call them, that's what we're there for. We are family. If you have a family member in the blood that is now a family member in Christ, you cannot be more blessed because you have a dual blessing. You have a blood relation. And you have a spiritual relation. I have that with my sister today. I have that with my mother today. I trust that for my children, for my father, for everyone in my family, because he's a household-saving God. Don't ever forget it. He's a household-saving God. He doesn't leave anyone out. And it may seem impossible, but that's that's in your mind. You can't think like God thinks. His ways are not our ways. You always certainly wouldn't have been at the walls of Jericho to walk around it seven times, I can assure you of that, but that was the way that he chose to do it. So ask him into the situation, share your burdens, because I'll tell you, when you share burdens with a brother and a sister and you pray together and you realize I've released this and I've given it to someone, you strengthen your bond with that brother or sister, and you also have to let it off of your shoulders. Living with sin and living with regret is a cancer that will eat away at you until there is nothing left, and I've seen it far too many times. Please keep these things in mind. We, we can listen to a thousand messages, and if we don't put them into practice, it's not going to get us anywhere. There's a promise here. This, this book of 31,000 plus verses tells us That his word does not return void it will fulfill the purpose for which he sent it it's living it's active i read that scripture at 38 years old i was 38 at the time it's not a coincidence there are no coincidences in the kingdom my life changed when i saw that i realized i'd been sick for 38 years i had been suffering for 38 years someone else is going to read that in india or china or somewhere else in the world at 38 and it's going to touch them and there's There's every verse in this incredible book that we've been given, the greatest gift we've ever been given. And Jesus himself is the living word. It changes your life if you apply it. I have so many people say to me all the time, why don't you stress out over this? Why doesn't this seem to bother you? I'm not saying I don't get like that. I do. My family and those closest to me would tell you. I'm the first person I'd call if somebody was bothering me. I'm the, I'm the most defensive person of the people I love. I am so overly protective. I would lay it all on the line without even thinking sometimes to my detriment. But I will tell you, if, you, if we share with each other and we allow God to minister through this word and we apply it to our lives, we will see change. We can't just continue to listen to messages and say, oh, that was a great message. His word does not return void. I'm not telling you, hey, I have the answer for you. I'm showing you the answer in his word of what he has done and what he'll continue to do. But we as a church, we as a body, we have to come clean, so to speak. We have to get to a place where we're shaking off sin. We're thinking twice about things. It doesn't change overnight. Many people struggle with sin for many, many years. But I tell people, it's not so much you need to worry about if you sin, but if you get to the point that the conviction of the Holy Spirit no longer bothers you, you're in serious trouble. You couldn't be facing a worse sentence because if he convicts you and it doesn't do anything to you, you're in trouble. Now, I didn't speak with Dave about this. I didn't speak with, with pastor Bill. And yet they both confirmed this message before I even began. So, if you have three men in this ministry that you trust and that you love, as we love you, and they're telling you the same exact thing, it's time for us to really act upon it. Why, is it. why is it betrayal hurts so much? You see people that have been betrayed in their lives, and you see it on their face. You see it in the way they act. It's the saddest thing. There's nothing more sad. I hate it in those that I love. I hate seeing it. It, I, I so badly want to step in and say, let me, let me show you a way. But we all have to walk our own path. But why does betrayal hurt us so much? Betrayal hurts because we are too alive in the flesh. I know maybe that may sound easy, just die to the flesh. No, but if the answer is when you do it, your life will be so much better. It's probably time we should really put it into practice because, when you give it to him, and, and the thing is, I see him constantly in my mind's eye, the things that I carry on as a burden, he's saying, Just give it to me. Give it to me. What are you holding on to this for? I didn't suffer in vain for you. Because, like I preached the last time we talked, you know who is the thief on the cross? I am. You are. That man had a choice that day. There were two thieves on either side of Christ. We don't even know their name and yet one of the most influential characters in all of human history. He's just known as the thief on the cross, or the good thief. Now, both men were suffering. Both men had been crucified. And yet he says to the other one, the other one's mocking Christ and saying, if you are the son of God, set us down, get us down off of this, these crosses. And he turned and he said, listen, we are supposed to be here. We're paying the price for what we did, but this man did nothing wrong. That man... The greatest moment in that man's life was right there, in his worst suffering. The Lord made that so clear to me. That man was suffering. If you've ever studied what crucifixion is about, the Romans had perfected suffering. And the reason they would have your feet on this block and they would have your body at the angle it was is because your natural reaction is to push up and straighten out your diaphragm so you can breathe. Jesus spent hours breathing like, like this, like <laughs> tiny, tiny breaths. Even try it right now as you're hearing the sound of my voice. Try and take this tiny little breath. You're not satisfied. You're getting 10% of what you're supposed to be getting. And that's what he suffered for us. So this man was in his worst suffering, the good thief, so to speak, as if there's such a thing. But in that moment, he surrendered his life, and he said, you don't belong here. Please remember me. And the greatest words that man ever heard in his entire life followed, you will be with me today in paradise. It breaks my heart every time I hear it. It crushes me because that was me. I was so close to death in this life, so close. Even people that my family and people that were close to me at that time, they don't realize how close it was. But I know that I was, and when I breathed my last breath, it was over for me. There was no chance for me to repent and get my life in order. But I called out to a God. I wasn't quite sure if he existed or not. And I said, if you are real, please show yourself to me. Because on Monday is Mm -hmm. when my expiration date has come. And he showed up. And my life has never been the same. Never. I don't know how I lived without him. I don't know how I did anything without him. Isn't that interesting? I hear it. My mother says it all the time to me. I don't know how I lived without him. We, we have been beyond blessed. I want you to understand uh, the, the odds if you were born in the Middle East, in Syria, in Iraq or Iran, the odds that you will even hear the name of Christ is a billion to one. It's not allowed. Those who tell you that the Bible is just a book written by men, well, ask them why it's banned in 58 countries. If it's just a book, because in it are the keys to eternal life, the keys to salvation, the keys, seeds, seeds, and kingdom keys that change your life forever. For those of you who are not friends with me on Facebook, my my wife and I, last week we were at the store. We have a store, and we're at the store on a Sunday. We don't work on Sundays, but we happened to meet. Someone had asked us if we could meet. They had bought a piece of furniture. And they wanted to come get it And while we were there another person said Hey I just saw this item do you mind if I come down And I said sure why not So they came down And when they came down we spoke for a few minutes Excuse me one moment We spoke for a few minutes And I shared the gospel with them And she she This woman used to be in a church And she left Now as we were leaving we were locking up My wife went out before me And as soon as she opened the door. I heard her saying, hey, how?" she was greeting somebody. It was clear she was greeting someone. But we're a store on a main street, so it couldn't have been someone driving by because of the way she was speaking. So I came out from behind her, and I locked the door, and I turned around, and this woman was walking past our store. And she said, oh, are you are you Helena's husband? And I said, sure am, in the flesh. And I said, how are you doing? And she said, I'm not doing good. And I found that odd for someone I had never spoken to before, but I knew instantly that this was a godly setup. So I said, well, what's wrong? And she started to cry. And she said she was incredibly depressed. And now we're on a main street, cars are driving by, and I've never been a person that was concerned about what other people. So I said, please just let us pray for you. So I started to pray for her. And as I did, I really felt like the Lord was giving me words of knowledge and things and things. I said to her, I said, you know, you've, you've suffered with things in your life you didn't need to because you felt responsible for things that you weren't responsible for. And she lost it. She literally lost it. And I knew it was of God. But I asked myself this when she left because her her sorrow turned to joy, her tears turned to a smile like I haven't seen before. She shared with us she's been in a relationship for about 8 to 10 years. He cheated on her about a year ago, and she they lived together, and, she doesn't want to keep subjecting herself to this, but she doesn't feel like anybody else is going to want her. And in that oh. moment, when she left, literally 10 seconds on either side, we would have missed her. If we had left 10 seconds earlier, we would have already been in the car. If we left 10 seconds later, she would have already walked past us. We would have missed her. So my first thought was, wow, imagine if we were five seconds late and God saying there's no such thing. I plan everything. The steps of the righteous are ordered by God. And we are righteous through Christ. So that was an encounter. And all we did was show love to her. It wasn't difficult. It didn't cost me any money. It didn't cost me anything. But I felt like a million bucks leaving because she smiled. She said, you know what? I have to put an end to this relationship. And she said something that broke me and it broke Elena. She said, do you know this morning when I get up, I got on my knees, and I said, God, if you hear me, please give me a sign that you hear me. Please, I'm begging you, if I'm not just alone in this and my suffering, can you please give me a sign? And she said, this was my sign. Now, like I said, 10 seconds, either way, we would have missed her. But it's not difficult to show love. Love changed everything for her that day. And she just surrendered her life to the Lord. She said she was committing herself again. And she realized that God has more for her than this. Her children are now, they're both addicted to heroin. It was, a, she's just dealing with so many different things. But her sadness was so, it was so, you could reach out and touch it. And it changed because someone just said to her, the Lord heard you. He heard you. When I was praying, I actually said to her, God hears your prayers. And she, she went from, Sobbing to just lost it, because she remembered just a few hours ago. Now, that had nothing to do with Helena and I, because God can use a donkey. He can use anyone and has. But when you're open to it, it's not difficult. We live in a world where you don't even tell your neighbor you're going on vacation. you might be worried they're going to break into your house. That wasn't like it was when I grew up. I personally, I'm sure. Chaplain Bill would tell you the 50s, but to me, the 70s were the greatest era to grow up in. The world was different. Music was great. Movies were great. People, a handshake still meant something. But yeah. today, people don't even talk to each other. I see people, I see this younger generation going out, for them sitting at a table, and they're all on their cell phones, texting each other or texting somebody else. What's the point of getting together? That's not yeah. how it was in my generation. But yet, mm-hmm. just reaching out, and just saying, Hey, how's your day going? I have never asked a person if I can pray for them when they haven't told me yes. It's never happened. Ever. At first they might be, I oh, no, say you have not there's nothing the Lord can do for you. And then they just start sharing. And and the Lord will allow people to see his spirit upon you. They'll feel a comfortability. People mm-hmm. have always come to me, I don't know why. As a little kid, my sister and I are the same way. People that just were down and out, they came to us, and we always took them in. We just had a – we were raised that way. My sister and I used to collect money for the Jerry Lewis Labor Day telethon, and we always had a compassion for people. And to this day, we both do it still. I thank God mm-hmm. for that. But we don't live in a world like that anymore. People don't even want to talk. Social media has become antisocial. You take 100 pictures to post the best one. Let people see the real you. They're still going to love you just because you can get the right angle, but we've become a little phony in our day-to-day. Whereas if you just reach out and just talk to someone and ask them how they're doing, you're going to notice that they probably don't have anyone to talk to. And sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger than it is somebody who, who has more knowledge of your situation. I'm only sharing this to say I have found in my walk with Christ these last 10 years that the simple things are really the big things and the big things are really not so big. The things that bother you are not that big, but the little things love is free. It's, it doesn't cost you anything. Why is it when you were a little kid on Christmas morning, it was about what you were getting for a gift. But as you get older, it's about what you're giving somebody else, whether it's Christmas or otherwise, why do we feel so good when we do something for somebody? Why do we feel so good when we make somebody smile or laugh? I'm that type of person. If I see someone suffering, I can't walk by them. I'm the type of guy that if someone tells a joke and nobody laughs, I laugh even if it wasn't funny because I don't want them to be embarrassed. Just the way I am. And that doesn't take a lot to do. It's just a moment out of your life. You know what I realized in that moment with this woman last week is that in this entire life, That may be the only time our paths will ever cross, ever. If someone has crossed paths with you, would they turn around and say that was a good encounter or a bad? Will they remember you for loving them or judging them? The world judges enough. We don't have time for that anymore. But I want you to remember this, if nothing from this message. God will find you in your situation. It doesn't matter what it is. He hasn't forgotten you. If he'll walk past thousands of people at the pool of bethesda if he'll find a 14 year old virgin mary while she's sleeping if he'll take a tax collector and people like me who are not very good people in life before i knew the lord if he does that how much more as one of his children no matter what you're suffering with today know that he will find you in it but we have to come to a place where we are Worried more about offending God Than we are about offending man Because isn't it funny You won't offend a stranger But you might offend God And not have so much of a concern about it We have to get things right A buddy of mine used to say Get it right and get it tight And that's really where we need to be as a body Because God is not going to wink at sin any longer And the things that We have to be an example You cannot preach righteousness If you walk in unrighteousness And I am so far from perfect. So please, this has nothing to do with me. I'm trying every day. And I thank God when he convicts me because his word says he chastises those whom he loves. So he must love me if he's chastising me. Let's come together like never before as a body of Christ. Let the world say, not I want to go to that church, but I want to be a part of those who follow Christ because they love, they care, they stand up for each other. They look out for each other. If someone's hurting, they help out. They do the things they're supposed to do. Let us be the light that darkness will always find. Trust me if you don't believe me. It's just sheer science. Shut off all the lights in your house tonight. Lock a door. Seal the door so no light's coming in. And then light a match. And watch what happens. No matter how much more darkness comes in that room, it will never put out that light. Light always dispels darkness. Darkness has no choice but to flee. When the sun rises, Darkness flees it hides it has Nowhere to go and you could bring In all the darkness in the world it will not Overtake it let Us be that light let us Be as sin free as we Can be share your burdens One to another because When jesus said to this man Stop sinning or something Worse will happen to you it makes it I don't know what it Does to you but i know what it does To me it's as scary as Go away from me i never knew you We have the power in us through the Holy Spirit to stop sinning. We do. Look out for each other. If someone starts to gossip to you, let them know you have an ear closed to them. You're not going to be a part of it. Don't be a partaker. Bring together. Our pastor has suffered tremendously over these past few weeks. I've wept for him because I know him, and I know his heart. And all could have been avoided. But that's life, and things happen, and we move on, and we get stronger from it. That's what we will do. Love each other. His command to us is so simple. Love each other. Stop sinning. Don't let anything worse happen to you. Be whom the world looks to for their problems to be solved, because that's your harvest field. The next time you see someone that everyone else casts aside, including the religious church, the Pharisees, reach out to them. Love them. God will deal with their sin, but your love may save their soul. If we really truly understood what hell is about, we would go out of our way to love people. Hell is not a kind place. Forget about the fire. It's a place where Jesus said there's gnashing of teeth and weeping, and that's not a place I want to spend five minutes in, let alone eternity. No matter what someone has ever done to you, you don't know what somebody did to them. Be the one that heals the wound. Let's come together as a body, and let's look at our own lives and clean up our side of the street because we have abundant life when we don't have to worry about the things of the flesh. I'm sorry if I over-talked over my time. Love you guys very much. I'm very grateful for each of you, and I pray this word just ministers to your spirit, and I pray you put it into action because by Sunday of next week, you will see a difference in your life. God bless Amen. you. Love you.
2: Amen. 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 Thank you, Brian. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, Brian. Oh, boy, that was, that was that like water in a desert, brother. That was water yeah. in a desert. Oh, w. yeah. Oh, yeah. Amen. Thank you. Thank oh, yeah. you. I want to thank everybody Glory for being here tonight. And uh, remember, next Sunday is the last Burien Bible Chapel blog talk radio. Broadcast, so I hope you're here to join me and Dave, and the and the brethren. We love you. God bless you. Tonight.
1: Have a good night. We love you. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Brian. No, I was just saying, have a good night. Okay, I just want to ask uh, if uh, y'all know we gotta we gotta replant this church somewhere, and uh, if y'all will pray for us and. And ask the Lord to help us find uh, if YouTube is going to be our place. And just ask the Lord to uh, tell us yay or nay, or if he has a better place in mind, let us know of it. Thanks, folks. Good night.